This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Company. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI Audio's on air community, and everyone's invited. And now, the host of today's show, Ramya Amuthan. Welcome to Friday, November 11th, here on Kelly and Company. And Kelly is taking the long, long weekend route again. So I am here with Margaret Weldon today and Monday to have some great conversations. And Margaret, today on November uh, 11th, as we recognize Remembrance Day, it is more somber of a Friday. Uh, Some people, of course, have the day off and are recognizing in many different ways. We'll chat about that a little more um, after we tell people what's coming up on today's show. But I wanted to ask you if you're you're feeling the the energies of remembrance and um you know if you're if you're hearing that others are as well around the country I must admit this year and I don't know if it's because of the covid you know and everybody being apart but it seems this year it, it's been the most I've heard about remembrance day for a, in a long time you know um mm. I think it started a couple of weeks ago or maybe actually the middle of October, I guess, when I heard about a school and, and you know, teaming up with the Legion to come up with more environmentally friendly poppies. Um, so rather than, you know, doing the, right. the plastic ones that you throw out now, they've got these poppy signs. And actually, I, I have one and it's a really neat sign. Um, and it just seems I, I think maybe also because of the Ukrainian situation, the Russia-Ukraine situation that's going on right now, maybe that's brought uh, Remembrance Day more to top of mind. but. It's been such a long time since I've seen people, you know, stop and really think about it. And, mm. Yeah. So, and, and and I think it's about time too. Yeah. Oh, it definitely is. And you're right. You've pointed to some reasons and, and acknowledgements of why that may be. Uh, I can think of more, you know, just the, the energy around the country has been different uh, as we talk more and more about our Indigenous peoples and their experiences. So, there is a lot going on, and of course, uh, we continue to at least, if not take part in, at least understand that there's a lot going on. So as I said, we're going to continue to talk more about this in a second. But first, let's tell people what's coming up on today's show. Zoom, the uh, platform we all know and trust, is adding email and calendar features to take on other workplace platforms. And we're learning more about this with John Beeler. Traveling has become more accessible in Vancouver with the introduction of travel guides, and we're going to learn more in segment four from our regional content specialist, Sylvie Fiquette. In the second hour, we have the Chatty Bookshelf, as we do every Friday, talking audiobooks. And Ryan Huey is reviewing his meet and greet that he had recently with seven-time Stanley Cup champion Brian Trottier at the Calgary Public Library. Yeah, he says it was a work trip, but I think he had a lot of fun during this work trip as well. So as we said, Remembrance Day and thousands of people wearing poppies have turned out at Remembrance Day ceremonies across the country to pay their respects to those who died in service to Canada. Maybe Navy Captain Bonita Mason, who's the Deputy Chaplain General of the Canadian Armed Forces, thanked all the families who supported and suffered along with service members. In a world fraught with struggle and instability, where war continues to rage in Ukraine, 
we gather to affirm with one another our determination to remove the barriers of division in a spirit of reconciliation. And there it is, that word reconciliation uh, going hand in hand with our truth and reconciliation that we're going through in Canada. And uh, what you mentioned as well, Margaret, with the Ukrainian um, instances and wars happening, I think that there is a lot to be discovered. In the last several years, there's so much hardship, struggle, suffering, whatever words you're using in your own life. Um, And because of that, we're getting to such deep, sometimes dark, but deep places. And you can utilize these spaces to connect with others, right? Bring it back to how we can connect with others. And so, you know, the grieving, the mourning, the changing, um, the the everything that's happening right now, it, it comes down to, you know, and how are we realizing and going through all that ourselves? That's right. It's okay to feel those things, right? The the grieving and the anger and, and all of those kind yeah. of what people like to term as negative emotions, but mm-hmm. it's what you do with those emotions, right? I mean, it's okay to be angry with somebody, but it doesn't mean that you can go out and hurt them, right? But you right. can talk to them and tell them what you're angry at, or you can, you know, write it down. Or like you say, you can connect with other people to talk about maybe situations that they have gone through. So yeah, you're quite right there. And when you say like going out and hurt, hurting people that is not just hurting as in physical violence right like we are talking about emotional torment and and uh hurting with our words and and all kinds of things that we can maybe take a step back and say but all of us are going through it all of us are experiencing these hard times in one way or another so absolutely uh wanted to let people know that before the ceremony uh, started, dozens of veterans and active armed forces members marched through the streets of Ottawa to drums and pipes. So uh, we've not necessarily concluded Remembrance Day yet, but it is the afternoon and we sincerely hope that you've spent your morning in recognition. Moving on to something else, a trout in the southern U.S. has uncovered another piece of ancient history. The latest discovery facilitated by the historic southern drought is the fossilized tooth and partial jaw of an ancient American lion. Wiley Pruitt was poking around in a dried-up Mississippi riverbank when he spotted the jawbone. He became the instant star of last month's Mississippi Fossil and Artifact Symposium and Exhibition. The American lion was an 8-foot-long, 4-foot-tall, 1,000-pound apex predator that prowled what is now North America during the last ice age. It was considerably larger than the modern lion found in Africa. Jim Ryan, ABC News. He didn't do a comparison of the description of the modern lion in Africa, but still imagining a thousand pound lion, four foot tall lion from any era sounds a little bit more than just a little intimidating. Oh, Margaret. I agree with you a hundred percent. I don't know how I'd be able to sleep. I don't know if I'd be able to sleep after finding something like that. You know, that's a, that's such a true point because we talk about these things that are these uh, fossils and parts of fossils that are being discovered now of ancient times, right? We talked about the T-Rex fossil and um, other dinosaur-related fossil-like things. And I just, like, we hypothetically think, imagine if we were living with these creatures now, but not even hypothetically. I can barely imagine, you know, running into a bear, Right. Like I'm yeah. so city life. <laughs> I can barely imagine that. So, uh, yeah, just 
But I, I've got news for you, though. Like, it seems to me a lot uh -huh. of the wildlife now um, is, is becoming more adapted to people, right? Because yes. We're, yes. we're developing things now. And I guess well, the other thing I can tell you quickly, just, just emergency-wise, never mind the lions. Watch out for the raccoons. They're the biggest <laughs> thing these days. <laughs> yeah, the raccoons and the coyotes are yeah. practically everywhere now. And you're right. I don't know if they're just they're becoming brave or, you know, some of the years of quieter city streets in the, the during the pandemic has now said, OK, well, we'll just come out, too, uh, and we'll play together. But you're right. We're not ready. We're definitely right. not ready. All right. Well, we're going to take a break. And as it's Friday, Margaret Weldon, uh, in the absence of Grant Hardy, who's also taking the day off, is going to be giving us our lifestyle headlines. There's a lot to talk about here. So we'll be back with that after the break here on Kelly and Company. find yourself wanting to comment on some of the subjects that we bring up here on the show feel free to do that anytime you can call us 1-866-509-4545 and leave us a message on that number and if you want us to play whatever you leave on the air please give us permission to do that feedback at ami.ca is the best email address to reach us at and we will be forwarded your comments also on twitter we are still there elon musk or not at AMI Audio is our handle. I'm Ramia Amadhan, and chuckling over there is Margaret Weldon, who brings us our lifestyle headlines today. Margaret, um, it's a Friday, and we talk lifestyle, and Grant Hardy has uh, taken the day off along with Kelly McDonald. So you've so kindly stepped in for us. What do you have? These guys get all the breaks, don't they? You know, on Fridays, on yeah. Weekends and then, sure, you know. <laughs> I mean, I know, I know, we're supposed to be serious in that, but I'm just thinking, you know, just think about <laughs> it. Know. They get all the breaks, right? Mm. <laughs> okay, so we're going to start actually with uh, we're going to continue along with our Mem Remembrance Day um, theme for just a moment. Um, Sunnybrook, for those of you who may not know, is a hospital. It's, I believe, it's the largest hospital in Toronto, anyway. Um, and mm -hmm. of course, like any other hospital, it, it deals with, you know, the overcrowding of patients and the other issues that we hear about, but it's also got something unique in it. And that is a uh, residential veterans center that is designed for um, the Canadian veterans that fought in our wars, ranging from World War II and upwards, right? So they can live in this, uh, this uh, facility and whatever um, adaptation there, you know, you know, they might need, they can, they can get it. And, um, I've never been in the, in, in the actual building myself, but I have had the privilege of touring the grounds and I must say they're oh, absolutely wow. beautiful grounds mm -hmm. if you get the chance. And, um, one of the, I guess an annual tradition that has been taking place since uh, 2010 is, um, called operation raise a flag. Now, the purpose of this is to show our love and gratitude and appreciation for our veterans. And what they do is they place flags. They plant flags every year on the 10th of November so that these uh, people can get veterans can get up in the morning and see the flags outside, too. Like, I mean, they're they're available, you know, they're around when the flags are being planted, but it also allows them to get mm -hmm. up in the morning. And the idea is also to kind of help them remember 
you know, what, what they've been through and what it was like. Now this year they have planted and get this Ramya, 30,000 flags around this grounds, around this center. Wow. That's amazing. Think about that. 30,000. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, I was just going to say, and it's, when did they start doing this again? Since 2010. Oh, okay. Amazing. Wow. 2010. Yep. And I guess each flag, like each, each, um, uh, war or conflict or however it is that people like to look at it is, um, I guess they must have different colors and different designs on them to represent the battle. Like, you know, whatever, whatever battle they're, you know, mm-hmm. whatever battle they fought in. Um, now here's a couple of interesting things. So they, we've, we've had a couple of special features added. This year uh, was introduced a special flag for our Canadian Indigenous veterans to show our appreciation for their contributions mm. and sacrifices. Mm-hmm. So then, and that comes with that recognition. That's right. right? Like it comes with the yeah. exactly the reconciliation and uh, the conversations we've been having for several years now and. Following Truth and Reconciliation Day at the end of September, a beautiful edition. Oh, yeah, I think so, too. Now, here's something very interesting. So there are 275 uh, veterans that live in this facility, and 50 of them are have just turned or are a few years older than 100 years. Oh, cool. That's right. That's a lot of... What do, we, what do we call them? Centenarians? Cent- Veterans? Cent- centenarians? Centenarians, centenarians, centenarians yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't know the words. Anyways, yeah, either. people who are 100 plus. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. And apparently this is the largest number of, res- of veterans that they've had in that ve- living in that center at one time reached this milestone. Nice. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Now, some veterans... And so they, do they have a me? flag for this? Um, I don't think they have a flag okay, okay. for that milestone, but you never know, maybe next year they, they might. But mm-hmm. now some of the veterans were asked, you know, what they thought about this particular tradition. And a lot of them were touched because of the volunteers that came out and put their time in. And apparently, um, I guess people purchase flags or put, you know, and, and I guess they can take them home with them or whatever after the ceremony is done today. But the money from these flags goes towards making improvements in that center. Now, mm-hmm. another gentleman said something, and I, and, I, and I had to stop and reflect it. He said he and his best friend from childhood went to fight in World War II together. He came home, but his best friend did not. And he said whenever he sees these flags every year, it brings his best friend back to him. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. That's the thing about um, memorandum, right? Like these kind of traditions or whatever it is, and everyone's take on it is a bit different whether you are the veteran being recognized or the people working uh at the center or people at home understanding this the story and this tradition um but it's meaningful to somebody in some way which right. is priceless that's right that's right now another um veterinary or veterinary excuse me another veteran uh said that you know, he and his family are concerned about all the political activities that, you know, there are situations, I guess, that are taking place around the world right now and all the fighting that's going on, especially in Russia and Ukraine. And he said, we've got to do more to stop it. And he said he believes that the one 
uh, way we can do it is we keep talking about these conflicts and these wars and we make young children and young people understand there's nothing romantic about them. You know, some of the memories you come back with are good, but some are not so good. And if you get a chance to do any volunteering or if you have to go in, you know, or if you're, you know, you're called up to serve for whatever reason, please do it. But there is nothing romantic about it. And we've got to try, you know, put a bigger effort towards making peace. I think it was in yesterday's Buzz with Bill Shackleton that we talked about uh, ageism in our country and these um, initiatives that the public libraries are doing to combat ageism and to talk about, well, first of all, to have us talk to seniors and to have seniors talk about what they've lived through, their stories, their experiences, um, so that we can really just get it. Like we can get what people have gone through when they've lived for so long and gone through all of these experiences. And I see parallels between that and what um, this particular veteran has said, right, about all the wars going on right now in the world, Margaret, and all the wars that they have firsthand been involved in themselves. And that's why they're here and that's why they're, we're recognizing them. Uh, and to like really take in that message. You know, what what it means to have a veteran say, we have so much fighting in the world and, and it needs to stop. Um, I think that makes a, a big mark, like that kind of statement makes a big mark, at least for me, it does personally to to know where they're coming from to even state that. Yes, I, I feel this. I feel the same way, um, it, you know, as 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 you do. And I guess this is why sometimes uh we we get so angry at polit you know the, the, the like the political situations that that go around yeah. um i mean look at how our our democracy here in ontario was just about and i say just about threatened with uh, first the the big um, conflict you know with that truckers protest back in february mm-hmm. and then this business with the opsu strike and i think this is why too for me when when we get the chance it's so important to get out and vote or to do your part in some way yeah. or shape or form right because yeah. it's it's good to get involved. We need to help each other if, if we're going to protect ourselves. And that's, I guess, the message I take away from the story today. Absolutely. Absolutely. To to vote, to take action, um, to understand from people before us or people who are alive right now who are telling us, you know, history repeats itself. Please listen. Listen to my story and to other stories and to initiatives like this to understand the bigger picture of what's going on and what we can gain from um, knowing these kind of stories. Margaret, this is great. Uh, you know, 12 years ago, they started this tradition and, and it's obviously going strong. I really appreciate it. Yeah. What I, else it do we have? Us think. Okay. So now I don't know if, um, I, I mean, I don't know if you've ever bought a house, Ramya, or thought about it, or if maybe your family members have, but you know, when you do go to purchase real estate, there are a lot of factors that you need to consider, especially when it comes to doing renovations. Now, in regular situations, when you go to do a renovation, you know, um, if it's a major renovation, you need to consult the city and you need to consult the appropriate inspectors and whatever to make sure that whatever it is you're going to do can be done and how to do it properly and safety and safely to manage your own self and family, as well as the rest of the community around you, which makes sense. Now, when you purchase a heritage home, which usually means that the which is usually mean that the property that it is sitting on or the district that it's in is connected to a historical event in some way, shape, or form, and usually these homes are over one hundred years old. 
Well, one lady purchased this home in 1996 and was not aware that she had purchased a heritage home. She had a fire in her home that destroyed the entire house. So she had to rebuild from the ground up and did it with uh, custom furniture, everything, custom doors, whatever. And it took her three years to get it done and only to receive something from her municipality saying that she was going to have to put back the types of bricks, roof tiles, a garage door and outer doors and anything else the way it was before the fire because it was a heritage home. And you cannot make any type of exterior improvement, even painting the home or protecting the home, without consulting the municipality and getting their approval first. Well, the lady didn't know this. She said, first of all, I bought this home in 1996 and it was built, you know. And she said, now they want me to pay for this, these, um, you know, these, these uh, modifications. And she said, like, you know, if they, if they wanted it so badly, the, you know, they should have done something or should have made me more aware. Well, a representative from the city of Markham, Ontario, which is where this took place, said, we sympathize. However, this is a matter between you and the construction company and other building consultants, because it clearly stated on the building permits, heritage home, which means you have to meet the heritage guidelines. Can you imagine that? Uh, so what do they suggest she do now? Well, they're telling her she should pay for it and and, and get help from the guideline, get help from the from the construction company. And she's come back mm-hmm. and said, no, if they want these modifications done, they should be covering them themselves. Oh, no. Uh, and I first of all, I them. think it's. Well, yeah, right? Like if it was your home and then you had to go through all the work, but based on some rule that um, you didn't even know about. But the question is, does it matter if you knew or didn't know about it? I guess. I think if she had known about it, like she would have taken the regular precautions. But I can Mm -hmm. tell you from personal experience, I had a bad flood in my home about eight years ago now. And it was due to something the city had done. I lost everything in my basement, even the walls. I'm not kidding you. And you know what? It takes an emotional toll on you. You know, trying to clean up, trying to go, trying to get the insurance, trying to rebuild, trying to answer questions. You know, it it, it goes on and on and on. This Mm -hmm. poor woman lost her entire home. Mm -hmm. Give her some sympathy, guys. Yeah, and and it it says too that they 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 feel badly. However, these are the rules, and I guess when you start putting in teeth, because I've I've explored this a little bit with the the heritage properties, especially in Ontario, um, and how seriously it's taken to preserve history of, you know, foundations, uh, areas, whatever it is. So it really, really sucks, though. It yeah. really, really sucks. You know, and on one hand, you're like, yeah, we get it. But on the other hand, it's like, but who's dealing and who's paying for? And who's going back? Oh, where is she going to go? Yeah, well, that, that's all of it. this gets uh, rebuilt. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah, that, you know, that's so upsetting. it never stops. Yeah, yeah. So that's my lifestyle. Fingers crossed that they find a solution together. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Margaret. Great items, as always. And uh, we will chat further on different things throughout the show but margaret weldon bringing us our lifestyle headlines and after the break we're talking app update with john beeler and one of the items he's bringing on is how zoom is adding email and calendar features to its platforms because they're in competition right now you know we'll be right back this is kelly and company
In recognition of Remembrance Day, one of the podcasts you can check out is Raising Kindness, Episode 3. And this was released on Tuesday earlier this week. Becky and Bennett and Bennett's friend visit Allegiant in Regina to learn more about the great volunteer work being done over there. It's also available as a video podcast on YouTube. So check it out, Raising Kindness. They're already on episode three. This is a podcast that uh, we release once a month with the host, Becky Zarr. I'm Ramia Amuthan here with Margaret Weldon, and welcome to the Friday edition of Kelly and Company. And as happens on a Friday at this time, um, it's time for John Beeler and the app update. Good afternoon, John. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys? I'm doing well, thank you. Let's start off with this, John. Zoom is um, adding email and calendar features to take on other work or to take on other platforms. What do you say about this? Yeah, they recently Zoom just recently had a, a big conference uh, called Zoomtopia, where they were unveiling a whole host of new features that are coming to their platform, and they're really trying to make a play for Microsoft 365 and Google's workspaces, where you have one place you go to do all of your day-to-day work activities. And Zoom, as we all know, has been a, a very important part of that uh, since the pandemic. And so they've decided to add some additional features, such as calendaring and email support uh, to that to make it more a cohesive uh, system. So the idea behind it is that you're able to see your co workers when they join into a Zoom meeting from the calendar. So you can see who's actually already there before you even join. And you also have the ability to uh, send and receive emails. They've also promised that the email system that you'll be using is fully encrypted and you'll be able to um, integrate all this stuff with everything else externally. So if you still need to use another email client or a calendaring system, those will all integrate well with that as well. Wow. So I I just have a couple of brief Mm. questions. And John, number one, um, how accessible do you think this is going to be for people in our situations? And number two, what kind of um, competition do you think it's going to create? Or maybe you can't uh, to be honest, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 to be honest, I don't know how big of a player this is going to be as far as the competition angle goes. Um, one of the things that I saw that they're that's coming with this package is something called Zoom Spots, and it's a virtual co-working space where you can basically be in a, a sort of a a video first kind of like chat room with your colleagues and. Again, if you're remote working, maybe this is important to you, but I just don't know how accessible this will be, putting the focus on video. Um, I think Google and Microsoft are very entrenched, and they've been doing it for a very long time, and most companies have picked a side a long time ago, and I think it'd be pretty hard for, for Zoom to make a big dent in this space. Maybe, you know, smaller companies that are just starting out, um, but, um, you know, their video platform first and all this other stuff is sort of accessories to that. Right. Because even I, I, I find with myself, I don't know, but I've used zoom in the past um, for different uh, e- events and website. And it seems sometimes it's accessible and sometimes it's not right. So yeah, I, I quite agree with you there. I always yeah, get a sure. little bit nervous though around this time when uh, platforms start adding things and (laughs) getting serious makeovers about the accessibility. Now, Zoom has been very quite accessible, actually, um, whether it be the mobile platforms or the desktop clients, at least with my experience on the Mac, and we haven't heard too much otherwise uh, for other users. But when you say, okay, we're implementing this, that, and the other, eh, I don't know, just that little bit of anxiety in the background. 
for sure. All right, we'll uh, keep posted on that. And in the meantime, let's talk about how we can start replacing our phone's password with passkeys. So before you tell us how we do that, can you give us the context again on what passkeys are and why we're moving towards this? So the the big thing with passkeys is they're meant to be a replacement for passwords. Passwords have been proven to not be very secure. They're easily hacked. Uh, they're easily forgotten. And quite often, uh, that's the single weakest point of any person's or company's security. And so all the big guys have been getting together, uh, Apple, Google, uh, et cetera, and trying to figure out a way to get around this. And uh, essentially what it does is it's kind of like two-factor authentication that uses your phone and its biometric features to actually authenticate that you're you. So unlike two-factor authentication, which would send you a text message or an email uh, with a code, you actually have to authorize that app's login with either your face uh, ID or your thumb sensor, finger sensor, depending on the device. This works on uh, Android and iOS. Um, and the implementation implementations are a little different on both, but uh, essentially they're the same. And so the idea behind this is when you go to log in somewhere, you don't have to know a password. You just have to have the finger or the face that was originally signed up on that account to do that. So you, when you're signing, okay, so this goes back all the way to when you're signing up for something, um, because yeah. I think a lot of us may have the experience of unlocking using Face ID, uh, unlocking apps using yes. Face ID already, but the difference or the addition is you're not even signing up with a password anymore. You're signing up with biometrics. Yeah, the, there's still not huh. a lot of companies that are offering this at the login prompt, if you will. Um, but sites like PayPal, eBay, uh, Etsy, yep. and um, uh, even the, the travel site Kayak are now starting to offer this when you're signing up. And you may get an email from them saying, hey, we've got this new thing. It's it's Right now it's optional on all these platforms. Um, you can still keep a password if you want. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, it's probably more secure if you switch to a passkey because, A, you don't have to remember anything as long as you still have your face right. uh, or, or, your, or your fingers. And um, that makes it easier for you to go into those things. Where it gets a little tricky, though, is, well, what if you change phones? Because the thing to remember is, uh, unlike a password, the the passkey information, the biometric information, isn't in the cloud. It's stored on that that specific device. So if you get a new device, say, say you want to use it on your iPad instead of your phone, or you get a new iPhone, uh, you're going to have to mm-hmm. migrate or re-sign up for that passkey on that new device because it's unique to the device as well. So you mentioned that it was like two-factor authentication, but all biometrics, right? And you're using your phone and your biometrics to sign into this thing. So can you explain the first part of it, like the phone part? Is it yeah. that you can only sign in on this device into this app using your biometric? Is that the the two part or uh, am I getting that wrong? Well, essentially, when you when you go to the front door, you you know put in your name, put in your your account name or your email, whatever your your identifier is, and then you basically would be prompted on your device to allow that login. So, mm-hmm. if if you are using a device that's not on that list, what will sometimes happen? And we've seen this with um, uh, streaming services when you're trying to log into, say, an Apple TV or something like that. 
Sometimes right. you'll be presented with a QR code that you'll scan with your phone to log in. And that essentially means that you've logged in onto your phone, you've unlocked the phone, the phone knows who you are, you're scanning the QR code and that sort of connections made and, and everyone agrees, okay, this is really John, we're going to let him into this application. Mm -hmm. wow. now, That's pretty I, interesting. Oh, sorry, yeah. sorry. Apple is apparently, and maybe this follows along the same theme, I don't know, but Apple is apparently working on a new uh, streamlined accessibility mode for iOS, John. What about, what is this all about? Yeah, this is something that, that, uh, the hackers found uh, with the latest beta of iOS uh, 16.2. This is something that's not actually available yet. I actually have that version of the beta software installed, but it's actually just in the code. And what they found is really interesting, and I, I think especially to this audience, is they've added some really um, uh, much more dramatic controls to the appearance and the UI of the whole operating system. So you're going to have new features like the ability to create very large app icons, for example, like very large, like you can have four or six on a, on the entire screen so you can easily mm. see those big buttons. You also have the ability to have a very large back button so you can navigate back and forth between things. Again, it's just a very big, bold UI presentation. Uh, additionally, you can also have much larger um, fonts and uh, it it's, seems like it's um, been adjusted quite well to work properly with those other larger um, user interface elements, unlike previous sort of attempts at that, where sometimes it tends to break apart and it's like really kind of clunky. This actually looks like a really uh, well thought out uh, approach to it. It's just not quite available yet. And I guess you have no idea when so, uh, it would be available, right? Like, is that, is that why, is it, or like it, or it's just something in the works, but they haven't really given a deadline as to when it's going to be ready to go. Correct. They haven't officially even announced these features. People just found them looking through the code and there's actually screenshots of it <laughs> because it's buried in there. And um, it, so it's very interesting. So the the 16.2 beta just came out this past week. So I suspect that'll, that'll be released to the public um, iOS in the next week or two. This is probably going to be the next version of the software. So 16.3, I would think. Okay, gotcha mm. there. Gotcha, yep. Yeah. Do you feel that, John, um, I mean, I use a bit of low vision, a, a bit of um, vision substitution accessibility features on the iPhone. And I'm curious if you feel that these are going to make a, a bigger difference for for individuals to have this kind of whole scenario um, of accessibility, I guess. I, I can't see how this wouldn't be a huge impact for those people. Um it, it, the other thing that that's kind of interesting is they've they've really enabled you to use a lot more of the hardware buttons and um, and so this it's a really well thought out uh, approach to this and from what I can see um, the low vision folks especially will will love this because it's so big it's and it's completely customizable there's a little slider you can actually adjust the size to 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 your preference that type of thing so. I think it's just mm -hmm. going to be fantastic. And, you know, we've talked a lot about Apple's accessibility improvements over the years, and uh, this just continues to show that they're actually thinking about it all the time. Yeah, we definitely have. And we've also talked about accessibility in uh, other ways. So, for example, the Blind Shell Classic 2 phone is something that's out where it's just a simplified phone experience, right? They have apps that are in there that you can 
um, navigate utilizing just the native phone and its accessibility features to to get on things. I don't know, for, for example, Ira or Be My Eyes, right? Um, but the the phone itself is simplified because it it wants to unify accessibility all in one. But I'm curious about something like the iPhone picking up this and and calling it a uh, I don't know what did you call it a new streamlined accessibility mode. So with that. I'm curious about clashes. All the time, I've, me and a lot of other people use low vision features along with screen readers, right? So right. it would be voiceover plus Zoom plus reverse contrast plus whatever else you're using. And so with something like this, I am hoping, and this is this is an optimism thing, I am hoping that they've considered that people are still going to use combinations of things and therefore um, not make the experience feel like more work in order to have all these things work for you. Right. Well, I think the emphasis on this mode is that it's customizable. So you can adjust mm -hmm. dial up or dial down uh, to your preferences. So I think the clashes example is a is a perfect example where you can only hope that Apple's taking those things into account that people don't just use one way or the other way. It's sometimes both. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's does this mean that eventually Margaret, you were going to say? Yeah, I was just going to. Does this mean eventually we might even get rid of the um, app pat like the app passwords? Or, or are they supposed to be like a security key too? You know, when you go to sign up, yeah, when you go to configure something and it asks you for your app password or you have to generate an app password. Well, I, I, I think uh, the pass keys will be the replacement for that. So once you've authenticated, you're essentially going to be into your device and you shouldn't have any problems. But um, the, the, the passwords hopefully are going to be going away. Um, but it requires all the different app manufacturers, banks, et cetera, to opt into that as a secure way of doing mm -hmm. that. When you okay. said that uh, all the big guys, Google, <laughs> Apple, Microsoft, whoever, uh, has been working on these passkey rollout, are they working together or working <laughs> within their own organizations? Because um, like you said, it has to be something that we all tap into, right, or opt into. Yeah, it, well... The problem right now appears to be that they've they've all kind of done their own thing. They're all based on the same set of um, uh, standards, but the implementation is slightly different. Like, for example, Microsoft, uh, I'm talking to you via Skype. I have to log into my Skype account using a passkey, which actually Microsoft calls a passcode because they email me a code. Mm -hmm. But it's not a true key in the sense that Apple is proposing or has already implemented that I don't have to type anything. I don't have to copy and paste anything. I just have to look at my phone and, and approve that. Allow login. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you foresee any, uh, because you obviously know more than we do really quickly, do you foresee any issues with this kind of security at all? Like one thing I can think of is, well, if somebody else has your phone as well as trying to log in, then they can probably allow it, but they still don't have your biometrics. So Maybe yeah, they would keep, they would get the prompt, but their their face or finger wouldn't approve it. So, um, so that wouldn't happen. It, it's more the case of um, uh, because these things are local to your device. If you need a new device, your device gets lost or stolen or damaged. Um, how easy is that process going to be to retrieve or set up new pass keys for you to use that app or service? Mm -hmm. Wow. Because I mean, one of, the good things about, it, 
one of the good things yeah. about biometrics, though, is they're stored locally in your device. They're not in the cloud, but that's also the bad thing about them. That's right. Yeah, you could be locked out of your own stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it's not like you can pull something up and say, find the device or find the password either, yeah. right? But I yeah. guess What are we going to other... do with all that Microsoft Word saved passwords? Oh, yeah. Ugh. <laughs> all right, John, thank you so much for your time, and we'll talk chat with you next week. That was John Beeler from the App Show. And, or Sorry, that was John Beeler with our App Update, and he returns next Friday right at this time for another App Update. After the break, we're checking in with Sylvie Fiquette talking about Vancouver Island. Traveling has gotten way easier and more accessible and inclusive with the introduction of travel guides. Find out more about that on Kelly & Company. On accessing art with Amy, another great podcast available through AMI. Um, this was released Thursday, by the way. This recent episode, Amy speaks with Kim Kitchen of Northern Ontario, who's making art which is con- conducive to her disability. Uh, I know that Amy has fantastic conversations with all kinds of artists around the world. So check out this one with Kim Kitchen that was released yesterday. Now available on your podcast platform whichever one of your choice. I'm Ramia Amudin here with Margaret Weldon, and we're now going to listen to a conversation that Kelly had with our regional content specialist, Sylvie Fiquette. So today, as we do these regional content reports on Wednesdays and Fridays on the program, we're joined by Sylvie Fiquette. Of course, one of our other Vancouver uh, presenters, and I say that, Sylvie, because Fridays, we always have a really good push and representation from out west you know today is the day we have three of you from the vancouver area so it gets crazy thanks for being with us happy to be here kelly so let's kick it off here when we talk about traveling on vancouver island and it's become more accessible we all love to hear this with the introduction of travel guides what do the guides actually provide and how many communities are participating Yeah, the Vancouver Island um, has now just launched a series of accessible travel guides for travelers of all abilities. The accessible travel guides serve to provide representation for travelers with disabilities and to support them with practical information that preserves their enjoyment and dignity while visiting the region. The new accessible travel guides highlight accessible tourism products within 17 participating Vancouver Island communities, and they provide recommendations and share trip considerations. The experiences, of course, will be different for each traveler, but the information is meant to ease the trip planning and ensure that Vancouver Island is an inclusive travel destination with accessible vacation experiences for all to enjoy. I love the word dignity, even though I know the impact of it probably doesn't really make a mark on most people unless you've been in that position where you felt totally um, undignified, where you felt that whatever you have to do to accomplish something is just in and out, running around, 
and unnecessary. And I love that we utilize that and that's what we strive for so that a person feels good about what they're doing themselves, the, the environment and the experiment, experiment, you know, experience, not experiment, but experience. Who was involved in creating the guides and, and how was it funded? Yeah, the information gathered in the Accessible Travel Guides is based on consultations with accessibility experts and partners identified by community destination management organizations and firsthand experience while visiting each community. So Spinal Cord Injury BC, Destination BC, and the collaborating communities were successful due to a shared understanding that their approach to marketing these communities must consider principles of inclusiveness, diversity, equity, and accessibility. One of the the lead on the project, Lexa Bergen, uh, she's a BC-based disability advocate, says that engaging with a scope of individuals to promote and connect over accessibility has been really enlightening and motivating. And she works to um, create more equitable experiences for those that require adaptations or accommodations in, while visiting and um, really is stoked about these new accessible travel guides. Awesome. I, I, I can't help but think so many will be and what variety of access it'll give people and, and ways of using it. How was the project funded? Yeah, the guides were funded through grants obtained by community destination management organizations and supported by 4VI, which is uh, Tourism Victoria or Vancouver Island, as part of the commitment to creating the diverse and accessible tourism on Vancouver Island. Sylvie, in wrapping on this, what other benefits will the guides offer any users? Great question, Kelly. Anyone visiting the region is going to benefit from um, these accessible travel guides and having more information about the communities they're visiting. But more so, the guides will provide business operators with real awareness and resources to creating barrier-free accesses to the services that they offer. Oh, that's beautiful. Awesome. Really nice and something to promote. And so many people hopefully will get out there and take advantage. But mostly I'm sure these guides will just totally reap the benefits of the appreciation because my goodness, to be able to give this kind of access and support is tremendous. Uh, also with us, Sylvie, today, we're going to talk a little bit about some self-advocates who are going to be on stage performing their play. We deserve to work next week. Tell us about the show's premise and how it came to be. Kelly, this is a really exciting project. We Deserve to Work is a new play by a group of self-advocates and theater artists exploring the world of employment as experienced by people with intellectual disabilities. So get a glimpse into the highs and lows of searching for work, interviewing for a job, dealing with conflict in the workplace, and advocating for more responsibility and possibly future promotions. So the self-advocates supported by the Community Living Society, the Canadian Institute for Inclusion and Citizenship, and the Massey Theatre are shining a spotlight on the world of work and the obstacles people with disabilities encounter on the job. So cool. Wow. And and I love it because it is the big thing we talk about in the disability community is, is that whole business and piece of working. So what messages do the advocates really want to share via the play? 
Yeah, so the project began January 2021 when the co-creators began the process of re researching for their play. The research included working with a directing team over several months to lead three focus groups with employment specialists, self-advocates, and employers in order to build the ideas for their show. So Dana Ferris, one of the co-creators and actors, said a project like We Deserve to Work is important to spread the word and raise awareness that people with disabilities are capable of performing so many jobs. Adding the main message of this play is that everyone deserves a chance to work. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you have a disability or not. And then one of the other co-creators and actors, Lisa Gunkel, said she's very passionate about employment because so many times people with disabilities are just getting generic and yeah. um, they're their specific skills are are really being overlooked. Equality and fair play are important. Or sorry, equality and fair pay are important. And Larissa highlights she wants to ensure people like herself have a voice regarding employment. It's tough because a lot of time people so feel so grateful to have that job. They may not push for the equal pay that that position may have. So many people have experience as much as they can get in the disability community, which it can be really hard to to gain that that experience um, through people saying, yeah, sure, you can come work here because of the other biases that people may have or not being comfortable giving you that shot. So I, I really love this kind of thing because it's a message. Like you said, Sylvie, so many very qualified people settling for jobs they're overqualified for that we would say, oh, my goodness, to somebody else applying. And I think it parallels people who are newcomers to the country. Same kinds of things where, wow, this is a doctor. What, what's he doing this job? Um, he, he could be, we, we have a shortage here. Why isn't he being a doctor? Um, can you give us the details? When, where, all the stuff, for especially tickets? Yeah, the play is an hour-long performance followed by a 20-minute talk back with the co-creators after each performance. We Deserve to Work, the activist play, hits the stage at Massey Theatre starting Friday, November 18th through Sunday, November 20th in New Westminster. And the tickets are available on an accessible sliding scale. Pay what you can nice. between seven, yes, very nice, between $7 and to $29. And for more information, you can contact 604-521-5050 or visit MasseyTheatre.com. Sylvie, in the work you've done, I'm sure so many people have said to you, I just want to work. Absolutely. Uh, very. Uh, we're going to have a conversation in the future about this, Kelly. I just went to a newcomers, um, you know, through settlement workers and immigrants coming to Canada with disabilities and trying to just access services yeah. plainly, and then you know everything else from employment, healthcare down the road. So. Very, very interesting. This will this will be a really great play to take in. I think so. And there's so much frustration, let alone, you know, having to deal with a language you don't know, being a newcomer to a place, and then the disability on top. Wonderful, Sylvie. Beautiful things to talk about. Uh, Sylvie Fiquette, of course, out of Vancouver, our uh, content development specialist. Join us Wednesdays and Fridays right here on Kelly and Company. We have a whole other hour of Kelly and Company right after the break here on a Friday.
so many conversations to be had in just a two-hour time slot, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-audio. You're tuning into Kelly and Company, and in this hour, we have the Chatty Bookshelf, where Ryan Huey is going to review this wonderful meet-and-greet that he had with seven-time Stanley Cup-winning champion Brian Trottier at the Calgary Public Library. Uh, also, we're getting to some conversation recaps from the week of shows that we've had. We call that Cut for Time, and we're going to comment on some interesting and meaningful conversations. But up next, as always, joining us on Fridays to kick off the second hour, along with Thursdays and Wednesdays as well, is Bill Shackleton. He is here for the Buzz with Bill, where we flip through some articles that he's gathered for us and will lead some conversations through. Billy, how's your Friday going? It's going good. How are you guys? We're good. Doing well, thank you. Margaret Weldon and I are uh, having a lot of fun learnings on the show today, and I'm sure that'll continue with the buzz. Oh, it will. I can guarantee you it will, mm-hmm. <clears throat> including this first one. Um, blind Venezuelan boy converts World Cup stickers into album into Braille. Really interesting story from Reuters about a 12-year-old boy from Venezuela who is vision impaired, and he this, he wanted to get more involved in the World Cup, which, by the way, starts next Sunday. So he has taken a sticker album, and of course, you buy stickers, and, and I get, like, or you trade them and you buy them, and he's brailed all the the labels on the sticker so he knows what they are. So it could be the different players. It could be the flags from the different countries. It could be, um, you know, that sort of thing. So he knows. So he can mm-hmm. de- identify the stickers. Um, so him, him, he and his father and uh, his teacher have done this. And basically, he has also <clears throat> set up an, uh, an Instagram page where you can go and see how we – so his procedure, how we did this. I mean, I'm I'm going to be watching the World Cup for, but I don't think I'm going to be as ambitious as he is. But when you look at the World Cup or anything like this, there's so much information that we don't get because the stamps and that aren't accessible. So you never know what they were. So, I mean, if you're really into this, I think it's a great idea. And there may be other vision impaired people too that are, that might be interested in doing this. Wow. Really? Yeah, it's so nice because it's an adaptive way. Like, uh, I hope that not many of us are going <gasps> collectible, collectible cards. Is that yeah. what he's customizing? Oh my gosh! I'm just saying, you know, that it's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, it's really, really nice because it's interactive. It's a father son thing that they're doing together that they can, you know, make a tradition or just hold on to for a really long time. And then, of course, the the informative part of it. Now all of us are learning about this really nice way to make something accessible. And as I say, there may be other vision impaired people that, 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 yeah, that, yeah. that want, I mean, as I say, not me, but who knows? I mean, um, I did download a video and he used, he's using a brailler. Of course the video is in Spanish, um, but I heard okay. a brailler in the background. <laughs> so I guess that's what he did. That's what he used. Next point of accessibility, translating the video into other languages. Okay. Yeah. 
but like, I was just going to say, you know, because we have really, I, I, sometimes it's stories like this that remind me of how lucky we are here, right? Because we have so many things now that we still have a long way to go that are made more accessible, you know, descriptive mm-hmm. video and such things like that. So, yeah. It's cool that he did post a video, though. How many stickers did they go through? Billy, do we know? Um, I, well, he had 100 more to go, so he's got most of them. I don't know how many stickers, but um, it would be like all the players <clears throat> and all the countries involved in, I guess, the, the different flags and things like this. Yeah. Well, considering it's like what uh, players, all these different teams, everyone who's made it to the championships or not, right? Um, probably hundreds of stickers. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm loving this. It's a very feel-good story, and um, he's getting a lot of clout, so shout out. Shout out to this guy. Here's another Mm -hmm. interesting one. Beloved cat evicted from Vancouver grocery store sparks um, social media petitions. So this is kind of interesting. Uh Mickey, yeah, Mickey's a white and, uh, and black cat. And of course, the rules when it comes to the Department of Health are also black and white. So you can't. Basically, what happened was, yeah, I like the way the article. Yeah, I know. Um, He actually, the owners of this grocery store bought the cat to control the rodents. And of course, he's old and he doesn't bother anybody. He just lies there in the store. And somebody, of course, complained to the Department of Health. And no, 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 you can't have a you can't have a cat in here. It's against the rules. Well, the the owner of the store um, basically took the cat home because it couldn't stay. And it's raised a lot. A lot of people that came into the store are very angry about the fact that the cat that the cat who is perfectly harmless. And actually played a role in controlling the rodents and the mice can't stay. And the owner also made a very important point that the cat drew people into the store. And they they honestly believe that without the cat, the store might not even be there because of the, you know, because of the pandemic. And they have, there are people that have raised a petition, uh, started the thing on social media. And the hope is that the rules can be reversed in this one situation. I kind of doubt it, but you never know. Mm. You know, Margaret, what do you think? Grocery store cat? You know what? You know what? If the cat isn't bothering every anybody and you know, if that many customers want him in there, um, why not? And here's another point, I guess too, you know, we, I know that there are parents who have, um, kids that require a lot of extra attention and we have these relaxing mm-hmm. rooms and spaces, you know, in other areas, why not the grocery store? You know, okay. If it means you have to keep the cat in a specific, you know, part of the store, like that's fine. And then, you know, but no, I don't see any problem with keeping the cat there. I don't either. Now, Billy. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say it was um, a therapeutic cat too. So as you say, it was, you know, people that came in may have been a little stressed. The kids, so they saw the cat. It's sort of like the therapeutic dogs that you hear all about, right? Sure. Yeah, I'm a little bit on the fence about this one. I love the therapeutic cat as much as everybody else who's spoken. Um, 
And I have definitely gone to places where cats and dogs are just hanging out, you know, pet shops mostly. But but when it comes to any premises where there's food, food handling, produce, things lying around like that, I'm just not sure if if a petition that this cat is awesome and it's a community cat and we love it is enough to make the argument of him staying. I know, you know, it's not, it's not the, the nicest uh, opinion, but I, I really do think that it's harder like with restaurants and grocery stores and other premises where there's, like I said, any kind of food and food handling um, we get the exceptions for guide dogs and service animals and yeah, things like do. that. Right. That's right. But, can right. you really just bring your cat to let it chill, regardless of the temperament? We know that there's lovely animals out there who are so social and wonderful to interact with. And it's always fun, right? Like, it's fun going into a grocery store knowing um, Mickey's going to be there. But I don't I don't know. There's also safety. Safety right. of what we consume. Yeah. I guess so. Tough, though. Tough. Tough for yeah. the community. Yeah, and, and glad that the cat is still being housed. That's really nice. Hmm. Yep. Last one, Billy. Last one. This is a story about how a man in British Columbia who is vision impaired is still coaching um a basketball team. It's it's basically in twenty twenty one he has lost his sight. <clears throat> the doctors gave him three weeks. So with all the depression and all the the heartache that he went through. He is able to coach, and I don't know how he does it, but the article says that he does it with by instinct and he does it by sound. So he's coaching the, the Manaimo Thunderbirds, who is a women's soccer team. And I, the message that he is sending is he wants them to remember that never to give up. And I think that's that's kind of, you know, I mean, it's it's like, uh, he says that the, his girls are his daughters and mm. they treat him with a lot of respect because of what he's done and they, they know what he's went through. It's nice because in this article, it points out that he said he wants them to see him at his worst yeah, and see that he's not yeah. given up. And showing right. a piece of that resilience, right, it, it is a firsthand example straight from your coach is is very, very powerful. Margaret, do you have any thoughts on that? Like just being able to come back into it, first of all, and then say, yeah, okay, I'm I'm willing to be vulnerable with these kids. I, You know what? I, I think, number one, um, not only is it good, you, you know, to be able to get back in something, but I also think, <clears throat> excuse me, it takes a lot of courage and yeah. kudos to him. Yeah. yeah. Most yeah. definitely, Billy. I also think it's fascinating that he's uh, coaching, you know, able-bodied basketball uh and saying he's relying on his intuition and sense of hearing for it now that's pretty yeah, I don't, skill that, building really interesting how he can do that yeah yeah well good on him awesome bill thank you great articles as always um putting a smile on our face on fridays we'll talk to you next week later laters bill shackleton joining us for the buzz first uh, segment of the second hour on Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays here on Kelly and Company. And we have some loose rules around Fridays where he brings some fun articles for us to chat about. 
After the break, we're talking to Ryan Huey. He's our chatty bookshelf contributor, and we chat all things audiobooks on Fridays. He's reviewing an experience he had at a meet and greet with seven-time Stanley Cup winning champion Brian Trottier at the Calgary Public Library. It's a fun one. We're going to hear some sound from it, too. We'll be right back. We just had the buzz with Bill Shackleton and on the recent episode of the best of the buzz with Bill, this is a compilation of the month's uh, buzz with Bill segments all wrapped up in one pretty package podcast. Anyways, this recent episode of the buzz um, that was released this past Saturday, Bill tells us about citizens of Japan maybe losing their health insurance if they don't purchase digital IDs. Huge major problem that he discussed on a former Buzz with Bill. Also, in Europe, restaurants are combating the energy crisis by participating in a Dining in the Dark campaign, and we kind of wondered how long that was going to last and how much impact it made as well. That's the best of the Buzz, released the first Saturday of every month. The recent episode is out, so check it out on your favorite podcast platform. I'm Ramia Amadin here with Margaret Weldon, and this is Kelly and Company. All right, so at this time on the Chatty Bookshelf, we talk thing, all things audio. Let's bring Ryan Huey on. Who knew an entire library could fit inside your pocket? My name is Ryan Huey. This is the Chatty Bookshelf, and we talk all things audiobooks. Hello, Ryan. How are you this afternoon? Hey, guys. I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're good. It's a Friday. We're winding down for the weekend, you know. Best day of the week. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Where did you want to start today? So I had a really great opportunity. Um, I made it out to Calgary for some uh, Diabetes Canada stuff this week. And um, it yeah. was really, really cool. Uh, but to be honest, I missed that southwestern Ontario weather. Uh, I left Windsor and it was 18 degrees. I got to Calgary. It was negative 15 and there was 20 centimeters of snow on the ground. I've never experienced something like that in November in, in, in my life. It was, uh, I, I couldn't believe it was the same country. I know. We used That's to what it that. is. Have you ever been to Calgary before or any part of Alberta? <laughs> No, that was my first time in Alberta, oh, and wow. I think I'm going to leave my next visits to like the June, July, August uh, <laughs> month time period kind of thing. I think everything else, uh, I, I'm definitely an indoor cat, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, we, we used to get those like those amounts of snow once upon a time that you're t- in, in Ontario, believe it or not. until they Not in November going. though, right? I mean, oh, yes. it, this was like... Or October. Really? Sometimes Alberta gets some... Some yeah. snow, maybe not storms in, yeah, October. <laughs> Fun time. It, it was a really, really great event, though. Um, I, I've the, the, Just Calgary is really great. I could see why the Olympics was held there. Uh, and it, the, you know what? Um, they, I even got to meet uh, some a couple of famous people. So this was really cool. And uh, the Calgary Public Library has got it going on, that's for sure. Uh, they have a ton of programming. Uh, and I'm, I can't wait to talk about it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what was the event like then? So like, like, um, I, I know on, you. I know you're saying it was great and all that, but what what was it like? Not just from the perspective of being great, but um, was the facility big? You go ahead and tell your story. 
Of course. So um, on Wednesday evening, I got an opportunity with about, let's say, give or take 200 other folks uh, to meet uh, Brian Trottier, who is um, a Canadian legend, a hockey legend. He's won the Stanley Cup seven times, an Art Ross trophy, a Conn Smythe, a Hart trophy. He's very, very decorated. Uh, and he just released his memoir. Uh, it's out uh, in audio and on uh, in print and ebook. And he's doing sort of a book tour and a book signing. So this was a pretty intimate event where he got up. Uh, people were asking him questions. He was talking about his childhood, how he got his start uh, in hockey, his gratitude and admiration of his parents, uh, some really funny stories. And uh, it was just an overall a really great night. Uh, it, it was fantastic um it was pretty low-key and the the calgary public library is is beautiful um the we were on the i want to say the third floor maybe it was only the second but it, it was a huge facility uh downtown and um they had you know drinks and and refreshments and it was just really really great really well set up uh, it was in conjunction with penguin random house at our, our friends over there so they had some some folks there and then also a local organization called word fest calgary which uh, i'm going to tell you guys a little bit more about in a, in a few minutes but it was just unbelievable and brian trache was such a nice guy um Love Guide Dog Joe. I got to ask him a couple of questions and just the stories. I, I could only imagine he had to kind of tame it down for us, right? Being uh, um, <laughs> some of the stories he might have had from behind the scenes, but they were quite funny and it brought me back to my hockey playing days. That's for sure. Did he actually read anything from his memoir? <laughs> So he didn't actually read anything, but he was giving quotes and they were sort of like indirect quotes. So okay. I don't think it was verbatim word for word, but uh, that was actually my question to him. And uh, I, I got um, I got an answer. So I think we're going to play that uh, in a little bit. But my question was, you know, was there any consideration for you to narrate the book? Because it is available on, on audiobooks.com, on all mm -hmm. Audible, um, Apple Books and Interesting enough, it's a full cast production. There is four people narrating, but the main uh, narrator's name is Sheldon. And um, they do kind of sound similar, but I was just curious if there was any interest from, from Brian's part to kind of read it. Because once we got talking about it, he seemed to be more into the audiobook than the print copy. He was like, it's so cool to hear someone read your uh, what you wrote. And uh, he just went on and on. And uh, it was really great to hear someone that has little to no experience with an audiobook kind of get up and, and into the world that we love so much. Uh, so it was just a, a really great kind of um, experience to hear that from uh, sort of a new audiobook enjoyer. Yeah, because you are super into sports, so you know all about Brian Trottier already. And then you're hella into audiobooks, so uh, might as well bring him into that realm of the Venn diagram as well. But I'm curious because he's the most um, decorated Indigenous athlete of all time. So did he talk a lot about that identity of him or was there a lot more to be discovered? He did touch on it, and uh, he is so humble that he says, and I believe him, but he says he didn't even know that until someone brought it up to him. But I mean, no way. Seven, seven Stanley Cups. I mean, come on, that's a hand and two fingers. Like you're full of rings. It's, it's. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I don't understand how he wouldn't know that. But he was just, he was like, yeah, I'm grateful for it. But what was really funny was he was wearing this gigantic white cowboy hat, uh, and a couple of the people <laughs> described it to me there, and I'm like, wow, I'm like, I didn't picture him to be. Um, you know, a cowboy hat where, but then he's like, oh, I lived on a ranch in a small town of 600 people in Saskatchewan. I'm like, I get it. I'm like, okay, now yeah. I understand. But uh, it was just really funny the way he talked about 
um, his first pair of skates. And uh, it was just, it's probably a, a much different experience than um, obviously I didn't go pro, but I played a little bit of junior hockey and it was just such a, such a different experience than what I had. And I'm like, wow, this wasn't too long ago. Right. So it was really cool that he kind of went in and touched on that. And, um, he went back to his roots and, uh, how he appreciated what his mom and dad did for him, uh, how he got his start in the, uh, what was the WHL back then, but the NHL and, and all the, the draft kind of competition back then it was it was just a really cool thing um to to hear him kind of go into it but the first question i asked him and it was really cool i want to i want to play the audio for you guys is uh you know like you win the stanley cup seven times like does it change i mean does it is time one that okay well after that it's like oh well i don't want to say i don't care but it's not as interesting or like how did how did time one compare to time three or, or vice versa right and uh and here's what brian had to say Hey guys, uh, my name is Ryan from Windsor, Ontario. Uh, just congratulations on such a successful career and a successful book launch. Um, Thanks, Ryan. Couple of questions here. Uh, first one, I'm a big audiobook uh, lover, so I noticed it's a full cast that reads the book. Was there any consideration for you to do the narration yourself? And then second question would be um, <laughs> Seven Stanley Cups, uh, undeniable, right? Amazing. And I know that the feeling you know, it doesn't get old, right? But did it ever change, or like what went through your head after time two, or time four, or, or all those times, well, kind of thing? Can I answer those in reverse? Yeah, <laughs> sure. Like, like the, every time you win the championship, it never gets old. It's like spectacular. It's like, it's like winning the cup for the first time all over again, with a different path, a different journey, a special group of guys, different teams that you play, um, overcoming different challenges. Um, the the experience of touching the cup and the names and the grade on the cup um, and, and knowing that your name's going to be on there and then you know, seeing your name on there is like surreal to a, to a degree, but that emotion and the excitement and that feeling of being eight years old again and envisioning Jean Beliveau or Gordy Howe or Bobby Orr pumping the Stanley Cup over your head, that's what's going through your arteries and through your muscles at that moment. You're like, you're one of them. You're one of the very, very best that accomplished the most spectacular trophy in the world, achievement, and you feel that emotion running through your veins, and you just, and you don't know how to express it, and people are screaming at you, we love you, Brian, I love you too. Like, it's just, <laughs> you, don't know, you don't know what to say, you don't know what to do. Um, but as far as narrating the book, I would love to narrate the book. But we ran out of time in order to get get the book done in time, and I, I was not I was not ready to perform the narration that was needed. And we found somebody that was spectacular, who sounded so much like me, a little more Canadian than me, but he was awesome. Sheldon, I can't, I can't remember, but he was fantastic. He did a great job. I'm so proud of the work that he did. I'm so proud of the the whole team that we had with the book. And I, I, this might be, but when we when I did the book. I said, I'm going to do this right. Um, and so we wrote the book, we edited the book, we did everything we had to do. Joe Lee, yeah. of course, singer knows Joe Lee. The team that you have with, with Penguin Ram was spectacular. And uh, working with Stephen Brunt, was, he was a catalyst. He prodded all those wonderful memories out of my body. And you need, you need those, that kind of a team. So when I look at this book, and I'm, I'm so proud of it because they're like, 
I think a lot of people can relate to a lot of different stuff because it's so Canadian to a degree and it's so um, relatable about music and love of sport and, and this wonderful game of hockey that's a big part of our fabric in, in, in our Canadian society. So I'm so happy people say, you know, hockey, you know, hockey's Canada is such a global, it is. And like you said, Singer, it brings people together, but it's wonderful. And, and to have somebody who's a professional narrator narrate the book was for me, a little bit of icing on the cake because he did such a spectacular job. If you haven't got the audio version, it is he did a great job. But the book itself is like, I think it's a little gem. But thank you very much for your for your questions. We got another question over there. My goodness, you know, I, I I like the fact that he even sounds so calm. Ryan, was there anything else you wanted to, to discuss today? He was just such an engaging speaker, and uh, they definitely did it right. Um, there's even some, uh, for our sighted folks out there that are listening, there's some pictures inserted here and there in the print copy of the book uh, and uh, of his parents, of him as a child, and it, it, it's really great. But uh, I am planning to have uh, the host of this event, Shelly, on. We've already uh, talked. We're going to have it a later date, and she's going to come and tell us about all the great things that Calgary's got going on because it's pretty vibrant there, and it's almost every day they have someone in that's signing books or introducing this and they're even starting an audiobook club i don't know what that looks like but uh she was very excited to to have me get involved and to have uh, us get involved so ramya be prepared for that because that's going to be really great i think wow um any other topics today there you know what it's 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 uh, interesting because uh, even in November, right, we're coming up on Black Friday and Cyber Monday. So guys, get those credit cards ready and get get all that money ready because all the sales mm -hmm. are coming up. And you know what? I know I'll be buying a few and I, I know I talk about it every single year, but there's a lot of books coming out. So um, really keep uh, keep an eye out because there's going to be a lot of giveaways too. So uh, with the American Thanksgiving and all those American holidays coming up. Yeah. so. Really right, great time. Really quickly, um, before we have to let you go, tell us a bit about WordFest Cal Calgary. I don't think you touched too much on that yet. Yeah, so they're uh, an organization, and they just uh, they they have some funding uh, from a couple of different places, and they they work in conjunction with the Calgary Library, and they do a bunch of different events, whether it's for kids, whether it's for readers of all ages. Um, they have a bunch of uh, publisher friends like Penguin Random House, uh, Harper Collins, and they they all come in and they, and they do stuff together. There there was signs all over the place. I took a bunch of pictures. Um, I am going to post one a little bit later today with me and the 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 logo for them and it's just it's a really great organization and um the the executive director's name is shelly and like i said we're gonna have her on and she's gonna tell us all about it and do a much better job than me but uh we're, we're planning to have her on in the future because she wants everybody to hear about it and i like that we're bringing a little bit of uh west coast west coast flavor into uh the chatty bookshelf sounds wonderful thanks so much for your time today ryan and we'll chat with you next week have a great weekend, guys. Thank you. That was Ryan Huey from the Chatty Bookshelf, and he joins us next Friday at this time for some more audiobook conversations. We're going to take a look at some of the conversations we had from the past week and weigh in with our thoughts and feelings about them after the break on Cut for Time.
it's almost like the podcast offerings from AMI are just endless, absolutely endless. Another one on AMI Audio is The Pulse, now available as a video podcast on YouTube as well. And this week, Thursday, The Pulse was released with Joita Gupta. And uh, the guest on The Pulse is Memorial University researcher Leigh Lewis, the creator of The Dialysis Project. And this is a one-woman show exploring her lived experience as a uh, home or in-home dialysis patient. Patient. So that's what you can check out on this week's Pulse episode with Joey the Gupta. Like I said, on your favorite podcast platform is an audio uh, hearing or on video podcast on YouTube. All right. At this time on Fridays, we like to check in with uh, ourselves, really, <laughs> on some of the conversations that we've had throughout the week on the show. And we'll start with one. So Margaret and I will be commenting on a couple clips here, but we'll start with one from Monday's show. We spoke with Ardra Shepard of Fashion Dis, and this is the show on AMI-tv. They're casting for season two, which is why Ardra came on to chat with us. And this is a piece of her talking about fashion in the disability community, touching on the challenges associated with accessible fashion. I think one of the first points where fashion becomes inaccessible to people with disabilities is not seeing ourselves represented in, in marketing and in advertising and in fashion magazines, on TV, everything else. But Mm -hmm. beyond that, you know, there are style challenges that so many different bodies can face. Also, whether, you know, dexterity makes buttons and zippers uh, difficult or footwear can be a major concern for so many of us. Whether you have drop foot or you have an orthotic, there are all these layers. And so it's, it's a really exciting time for fashion, which is finally becoming aware of these needs and addressing them. And a lot of people with disabilities don't know that these products exist. Every time we speak with Ardra, um, we learn something new. And in this clip that was really showcased just how much difficult, how difficult it is to challenge our own biases on what fashion can mean, how fashion can feel, what fashion looks like on the streets, in the magazines, and wherever, the latest TikTok trend, whatever it may be. And, you know, it's it's just incredible because I've learned even, not just from conversations we have here on the show very formally about accessible clothing and adaptive clothing, but also uh, in my own life and and people that I know who've had to make adaptations to their own wardrobes as they get older or um, as they start facing mobility challenges or, uh, you know, having to readjust their days. And on a totally different note, but somehow this also pops into my mind, uh, how we've adapted to clothing because of the pandemic and realizing, you know, how uncomfortable certain everyday clothing has gotten to feel. And therefore we've moved around to what feels more comfortable uh, and maybe, you know, formal dressy clothing has started to feel different. But going back to the original point of how Challenging our own biases and our own uh, thoughts of what fashion is supposed to be is difficult because we know that representation is sparse for people with disabilities in all contexts, but in clothing specifically, it's like 
you're all the time trying to help people understand that this is just this is not where you can go shopping this is not what you can really wear um there's just plenty of context you know where it, what you going into a, a a an everyday uh shopping center or mall or clothing store is not an option for you or just buying shoes as they are is not an option for you and it's just it's fascinating but i also find within myself how much that i need to learn and how much i need to recognize in my own biases of what is out there what could be out there and then how this affects people individuals all around the world who can't just do what i explained you know go into a a a a um a shopping mall a shopping center a shoe stop a shoe store and pick up something generic as I'll call it. Margaret, did you have any thoughts on this? Uh, not just what I said, but the clip that we've heard from Ardra. As a matter of fact, yeah, yes, I, I do. And it's kind of a pet peeve of mine. Um, mainly because when I go shopping, I find I have to go to the kids' clothing section. It seems to me also to not just for people with disabilities, you know, who, who need the help with uh, um, zippers, buttons, what have you. But if you happen to be, um, you know, a little thinner than maybe society thinks you are, or if you're extremely tall, or if you're extremely heavy, you can't even find clothes that fit you properly half the time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, maybe you get something and it's supposed to look one way and it doesn't, and it's supposed to fit a certain way. So it has a certain appearance and it doesn't, and then it makes people feel embarrassed too. So I, I wish not only along with the, you know, with the buttons and that, that they'd fix and come up with accessible clothing, but I wish they would sort of change their size charts too a little bit. That, you know, I, I know they can't change yeah. everything, but that would be my thing, you know. Yeah. And, and you make a really good point because the, concept of how we feel when we feel good in our clothes is sometimes lost on us right like maybe I feel good maybe you feel good but if somebody else doesn't feel good um, and it's based on what they're able to wear or what society uh, dictates that they're able to wear um, is a big deal Right. And that's why this show Fashion Dis is incredible to me because you get to those conversations. You talk to the people and um, you realize and understand and hear from people who say, yeah, this is what fashion means to me because it, it does mean something to everybody. Right. Right. Okay. My, uh, I'm going to focus on a discussion that Kelly and Rumya had on Wednesday uh, in segment two about the myths of foods. But let's listen first. Also, just one quick thing is cooking fatigue. Like they talk about utilizing um, canned, jarred, and and frozen vegetables for cooking to to tackle food cooking fatigue because. Not all of us have all the time in the world to kick, cook only amazing meals all the time using That's fresh right. produce, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And we, we talked about that, too, of recent. You know, it's better to take that time to do, to have something, even if it's a little, even if it's out of that can, than to sit there, oh, well, I don't have time to make up this extravagant two-course meal and, and eat everything that I'm supposed to, fresh vegetables and meat. Uh, I'll just bypass or I'll open this bag of chips. You know, take some mm-hmm. time. Do it right. You know, Kelly has a good point there, and so do you, Ramya. Um, but I ran across something yesterday, and I think it fits so well here. A couple of points. Number one, 
um, I, a survey was taken and I guess one third of the individuals that were interviewed for it said that, you know, when they go to the, to the grocery store and they have to buy, you know, canned food or prepackaged food because it's cheaper, they often feel ashamed because they're afraid of what people will think of them. Oh, you can't afford this. You can't afford that, you know? Um, but the one thing that I would like to see happen is when you get this packaged food, uh, you know, why not put the name of the ingredient on it instead of this dextro, uh, dextro syrup, this and that and the next thing? Because then that way more people would know what it is. And I think now, too, at least I'm noticing that when it comes to salt and other chemicals, a lot of the canned you know, foods now are coming without that stuff. Or sometimes you get the choice, you know, do you want it with this or do you want it with that? So right. I really just wish they would have those ingredients listed properly so we would know what it is we would like to have and what, what it is we wouldn't. Ramya, you made an interesting comment too about when you go to the grocery store and you have to get somebody to read the ingredients to you just so you do know. And then you said when it gets a little bit complicated or gets too long, you have them put it down. But what is your thoughts on it, you know the actual naming of the ingredients of themselves in those products? Yeah, uh, for sure. That's really important to me. It has become more and more important as I do more grocery shopping for my own use, right? Like as I, uh, over the years, start to get my own um, groceries and expand a little bit more on my cooking, but also try to be conscious of what I'm eating and where it's coming from, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but you're right, Margaret. Like, do we even have a choice? Like that 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 statement you said about having more choice in what we eat. Do we feel like we have that choice? Do we have the agency uh, to know what we're eating, where it's coming from, and all the ingredients? Like you said, are we aware of all these can? Do we just think, oh, canned tuna is canned tuna? Not really, right? Like there's all kinds of canned tuna. They're preserved in several different ways. Um, some I am hearing, okay allegedly, that some canned tuna is not really all tuna at all. So there are all these different questions that you wonder, you know, is it okay? Is what I'm having okay? It's so talked about to have non-perishable foods around, right? Like we keep hearing in emergencies, have non-perishable foods, have your canned goods ready to go. Make sure you check on your canned goods to make sh uh, like to be sure that they're still okay to be used in times of emergencies and lockdowns and things like that. Um, but is that, I just, oh, sorry. Remember. Yeah. yeah no, that, no, is that I, enough? Go I, ahead. But, yeah. but I always, I always uh, find it quite interesting too. And this is a funny comparison. If people are going to make uh, their own, you know, fruit for the winter time, in other words, preserve it. It's right. funny when people do that. Okay. And they maybe can their own stuff at home and they put it in jars as opposed to cans. We call it preservatives, but if you're picking it up in the store, it's called canned food. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah, just, it's yeah. it's true. And and I guess the difference is like we know what we're putting and what we're utilizing to preserve compared to are we checking what's in our canned foods? Like, okay. are we understanding what our beans are preserved with, what our canned fish is preserved with and tomato sauce and all of the above? But I mean, it's a hard decision now to make too to be so particular about food because if you're only wanting to eat fresh it is expensive it is showing up on your bills as not necessarily the the most affordable option so 
you know. Well, and this is people why, why, why a lot more people seem to be going into debt these days. You know, um, I can't tell you the number of economists out there who say, well, the economy is, is, is still heated up and, you know, but yet we're short of labor yet, you know, the food prices and everything keep rising. And they say we keeps rising because the economy is heating up. So you're quite yep. right. You know, in some ways we really don't have the choices. No, exactly. But, oh man, um, let's move to Tuesday where we chatted with our makeup artist, Bella Strain, who joins us monthly. And here she is talking about the importance of moisturizing and knowing your skin. Especially with the wind that is coming off of the lake or wherever you're living, it's getting colder, it's getting darker sooner. So we need Mm -hmm. to start thinking about, like, how is that affecting our skin? I know for me, I need a thicker moisturizer once that wind really starts coming at my skin you know, making it feel dehydrated, making it feel burned. So having a thicker moisturizer is such a necessity for me and probably is for a lot of people who don't realize. They're like, why is my skin so red and my face hurts so bad? You might need a moisturizer. (laughs) I mean, I explained in this conversation on Tuesday that some people uh, like such as my brother are just recently hearing about moisturizing or understanding that maybe they need to moisturize. Right. And as Bella said, no shame in your learning curve and where you're at with that, with skincare routine. But I quite the opposite, uh, have tried so many different skincare routines in just like the last 10, 12 years or like early teenagehood, um, going from, you know, feeling like my skin's too dry, feeling like my skin's too oily, uh, going through the phase of, is there even anything for my face out there? <laughs> like as a, as a brown woman and just acne and all kinds of things. And then finally saying, you know what, there might be such thing as just doing too much doing too much and too often and just wrecking your relationship with your skin that way. I I think that so many people can empathize with this kind of uh, journey, right? Like going through it and then finally going, okay, I need to to kind of stop or slow down at least and do something more simpler. But it is hard because you open up YouTube or Google or your favorite social media platform and people are doing the absolute most to their skin, to their makeup routines and all kinds of stuff. And then there's the latest trend and uh, yeah, it can be very, very overwhelming. So I appreciated Bella's conversation and perspectives on, hey, take it easy on your skin and this is what you may need because your skin changes or the reaction to your skin changes in the winter months. Uh, but you don't need to go all out and have a 6, 10, 14-step skincare routine. As long as you understand you're taking care of your skin um, and recognizing the the ways that your skin is responding to different elements, then that's what's important. Margaret, any last words? I agree with you 100% there, you know, about, about the elements and that too. And again, you've got to wonder sometimes what kinds of chemicals goes into these products. And I know there are people yeah. out there who say, well, yeah, but you can always go and get, or, you know, or... Um, organic products and this and that but i'm sure even they've got funny mixes so i think you're right sometimes you're like me ramya sometimes you just got to step back and say okay you know what let's let's uh let, let's let's take another look at this and just see exactly mm-hmm. what we're doing because there is pretty big money out in the skin industry too oh yeah <laughs> you know yeah exactly so. Like Bella was talking about chapped lips and uh, chapstick and alternatives to chapstick. And 
chapstick sounds like the most, you know, easy thing to go out and buy, right? Oh, hey, I need chapstick. Not even. You go out there and there's tinted and there's moisturizing and then there's extra care and all this stuff. It's like going shopping for these things is endless. You don't even know what to buy. Oh, just give me give me something default. There is no default. No, that's right. <laughs> Oh, man. But I I am loving our monthly conversations with Bella because um, of these very authentic and caring conversations that we've been having about our skin, about our makeup and uh, about our love for our own, you know, fashions and and things like that. Expression, self-expression. That's what it is. All right. right. Thank you, Margaret, for joining me on Comfort Time. That was lovely. Thank you so much. So we're going to take a break now and come back, wrap up Kelly and Company, find out what's coming up over the weekend that you can check out on AMI-audio, and then give you a teaser of the Monday edition of Now with Dave Brown as well. Lots up after the break on Kelly and Company. One last podcast plug for the weekend. Can't send you off into the weekend without an audiobook check-in. So check in on audio or AMI audiobook review with myself and Nizreen Abdelmajid. We are talking to Sarah Hillis and once a month she brings us Know Your Narrator where we really just do a deep dive of one of the voices behind our audiobook listening. And this time we're tributing to Dick Hill, who uh, recently passed last month, and he has a 30-year career of narration alone. And that's not that's not even getting into everything else that he's done, but uh, 30 years of audiobook narration and over a thousand works that he's narrated. So we really get into it. And uh, a huge Sarah's a huge fan. So it was really lovely talking to her about Dick Hill. Check that out on your favorite podcast platform. And also tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-audio. You can check out the latest episode of AMI-audiobook review. Now, going back to Kelly and Company and the show we've had today, Margaret, are there any highlights that you'd like to um, send listeners out on if they want to share and listen back to the podcast? Well, there, there's two There's two of them. Um, I, I, Ryan Huey's segment today, you know, talking about his uh, meeting with Brian Chache and, uh, you know, the big event in the Calgary Library, that was pretty exciting. And, of course, then there was the Bill Shackleton story with the cat in the grocery store. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, the cat in the grocery store. I think we all wanted the cat there. There's no doubt that Mickey was loved and is loved. And there's a whole petition going around so that people can keep him there. I think that was in Vancouver, right? Um, but nonetheless, my my personal opinion is I don't know about cats in grocery stores. I don't know if that's a fit. Well, but it's hey. almost like, it, it, listen, it's almost like every year on the first day of the World Winter Fair, they have this tradition where they take a goat, and, uh, you know, on a goat train. And then a goat train is you our... You were saying that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And a goat train is our commuter train here in in, uh, in in Ontario. It's called Go. Mm-hmm. I forget what the letters stand for right now. But anyway, yeah, every year on the first day of the fair, that's the tradition. They take a, they take a goat on the go train. So. That's pretty fun. Yeah. I would definitely get on that go train. Um, 
Does GO stand for something? I had no idea. I think it's government-owned transportation or something. (laughs) I don't know. Whoops. That's not fun. (laughs) Uh, Uh, Also, we had John Beeler come in for our app update and talked about a lot of different things. I think the one that sticks with me is the keys, pass keys instead of pass codes and passwords. Um, it's, It's security. It's being worked on by Apple, Microsoft, Google, you know, big service providers and uh, technology folks. And I'm curious about how well it's going to do. I think that it is definitely happening now, you know, now-ish. So uh, we'll keep posted on that. But if you're familiar with two-factor authentication, it's similar to that. If you want more details, check out the podcast for today's Kelly and Company episode. Now, I want to tell people... Because we've been talking about podcasts, you can check out AMI Audio Originals all through the show. I want to tell you what's coming up on the Monday edition of Now with Dave Brown. Uh, this is at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI-TV. Michelle McQuig from the Canadian Press is reflecting on the latest news making headlines in Canada. Alex Smythe, Toronto reporter for AMI, is reporting live from Otis 22 Rethinking Disability. This is a conference in Richmond Hill, Ontario, and there's going to be a lot to chat about because there's a lot going on in the realm of this, of course. Jim Crisco's Jim Crisco's describing a newly launched pilot program in Manitoba that aims to close gaps in services for adults with disabilities. So that's also a fantastic conversation. You can tune in to all this and more at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv for Now with Dave Brown. Margaret, it was a pleasure co-hosting the show with you today. Uh, You're not really, you're only taking the weekend off because you're back with me on Monday to co-host some more. So Appreciate it and looking forward to talking with you on Monday. Yeah, me too. Have a good weekend, Remya. Thanks so much. Thank you. Now let's talk about Monday's show because we have our lineup of fantastic contributors. Michael Babcock is using his Mac computer full time. It's about time, Michael, just saying. (laughs) He's been teasing about this for a while now. He's sharing how he's been optimizing the experience that he's had with the uh, system, including keyboard shortcuts and a plenty of more so tune in for that conversation also in the podcast raising kindness becky czar as we learned today her and her son bennett perform acts of kindness around southern saskatchewan we're going to learn more about the show and the experience for her putting it together community reporter carol yapel is joining us and she's highlighting lumiere this is the festival in vancouver and an uh, event Redefining Winter with Dazzling Lights and Community Arts Performances. I'm looking forward to learning more about that. And we have Know Your Rights with Daniel McLaughlin talking about abolishing slavery. Yes, we are still talking about this in 2022. Credits to our own team. We have producers along with myself, our Jeff Ryman and reporter Grant Hardy, along with Marianne Dion-Jones, visual producer Jeff Ryman, senior producer Matt Agnew, and our tech for this week was Daniel Panamando. Shout out to all the work he's been doing. Live production manager is Paula Deneen, and the manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. On behalf of Margaret Weldon, Kelly McDonald, and myself, have a fantastic rest of your Friday and weekend. We'll catch you back Monday. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.